If you ever talk to our EMBA alumni about our program, many will tell you how the Personal Leadership Development Program, or PLD, changed them as a person and as a leader. And yes, it's intense, it starts from day one, and you will be invited, or gently nudged, if you will, to reflect on your own behavior, on sometimes rather inconvenient moments. More often than not, though, this soul-searching pays off, and PLD is seen as one of the most impactful parts of our program. In today's program podcast, we have one of the architects of the renewed PLD program to talk about how it will change next year to be even more impactful in the EMBA. Professor Chris Nell. Christo, welcome. Good to be here, Ramses. Before I'll ask you to introduce yourself, I'd like to mention that you are part of our external faculty staff, which is always interesting as external faculty brings in a ton of valuable business experience into the MBA classroom. So before we move on to the changes in the PLD program, maybe we can talk about how your own experiences as a leadership developer and South African have changed your ideas in leadership. It's had a profound impact on me. I'm a South African, uh, Dutch descent, but my ancestors came to South Africa in uh, the late 1600s, so born and bred Africa. So one of the biggest things is that I grew up under apartheid. I was intimately involved in facets, there were many things going on, of the transition from an authoritarian racist regime to a multi-party democracy. And, and then running my own consulting firm uh, in change leadership, uh, organizational change, and then leadership development. And I got involved in some of the anti-apartheid activities, primarily to bring business into the process. Business was quite at an arm's distance at that stage and didn't really want to get involved in the politics. So I was very fortunate. I had a wonderful mentor. And he created the air cover for me to start engaging across the political spectrum from extreme centrist socialists that uh, are very much on the old East German, uh, Russian, Soviet Union type of mode, right through to very radical racists, white supremacists, uh, people that were trade unionists and people that were core uh, capitalists. And the whole racial spectrum, the gender spectrum, the political and economic belief uh, spectrum. And I engaged across that spectrum to bring them together in what ultimately formed something called the consultative business movement. I was its uh, co-founder and first executive director, and it became the uh, secretariat for our national negotiations after Nelson Mandela was released, the ANC was unbanned, and it led, of course, to uh, the negotiations that led to a constitutional democracy. So you were thrown in, in the midst of what leadership development means on the ground. It was a real struggle, and you've contributed to you know, working your way through that struggle uh, with leadership. And how did that change your attitudes to what, uh, what it takes to be a good leader? There are a few fundamental things. When I went into it, I had a lot of idealism, but I learned that leadership is about having ideals, but not idealism, because idealism turns you into a dogmatist, an ideologue, and then you automatically uh, tend to side, uh, sideswipe and, and misstep other people. And what we really have to do as leaders is to be able to embrace the extraordinary diversity of thinking, perspectives, attitudes, backgrounds 
So a very core thing, especially in the global multicultural world we live in now. The other thing is that uh, when you take up leadership, you inevitably pick up some wounds and scars, uh, and you have to make sacrifices. So even if you have a leader that becomes the head of a major corporation and ends up as a billionaire, there invariably are sacrifices in terms of family life, in terms of personal activity, uh, hobbies, etc. So, so we end up with sacrifices. And then perhaps the biggest thing that I learned, which is commonly spoken about these days, is the issue of empathy and trust. How do you have empathy with someone that you fundamentally disagree with. And of course, in business, we're doing that all of the time. I learned in the South African uh, vortex of change, how do you earn trust? You get trust by actually giving trust. So I was the recipient of people that had no reason to trust me ideologically, racial-wise, gender-wise, and yet they gave me trust. And that opened the doors for us to go into dialogue. Yes, we disagreed a lot, but the trust enabled us to disagree and enabled us to craft common ground. And I see that as a major, major challenge for organizations, institutions throughout the world uh, these days. So it's a very valuable lessons. Looking at your consultancy experience together with this entire political process, what leadership qualities do you now believe, after having gone through all of that, that an MBA should be fostering and developing? Lovely, lovely principle to focus on. So what an MBA has to do is to instill the desire and the passion for personal change. Because without that change at a personal level, uh, relationships won't change, products won't change, services won't change. It leads to, to redundancy and, and it leads to destruction, as we've seen with massive organizations that dominated uh, global markets uh, and that have disappeared. Nokia, Kodak, Polaroid, you, know, you can name them, there's so many. So it's that change-mindedness, but it starts with yourself. Then there's also the realization that I can develop as a leader. So one of the things we need to obliterate is the notion that there's the so-called complete leader or the Euro leader and the idea that leaders are born. Leaders are not born, they are developed. So regardless of who I am, if I can qualify to get into an MBA, I am per definition already a leader. The way I define leadership is important and we have to instill that in people is that leadership is the capacity to exercise influence in an energizing manner. We often tend to define leadership too narrowly. It's the people at the top, it's the political leaders, it's the senior executives, not at all. The secretary, the operator, the technical specialist, the laboratory scientist, all of them exercise influence. And so our MBA programs need to instill that in people. And then two other things that I put in is that uh, we need to be able to think in non-linear manners. Yes, there's cause and effect and, uh, and discipline project management, absolutely necessary. But organizational life, economics, personal life, relationships are non-linear. They go up and down. And we need to be able to surf with that non-linearity. 
And very often people want too much certainty in the process. So I'm not saying there mustn't be certainty, there must be, but the non-linearity. And finally, the capacity to rigorously and vigorously test assumptions. Individuals fail, teams go down, and companies are obliterated because they continue with assumptions that have become outdated. This will segue us nicely into uh, the PLD. Because looking at those qualities of being flexible, being able to deal with ambiguity and diversity, this is something that is already in our PLD program. How will the new PLD program contribute to you know, developing these leadership qualities? Something that we've uh, built on is the fact that it has to be over an extended period of time. PLD starts in the first week of the program, and with the executive MBA, it continues for 18 months. Now, in 18 months, you can establish and develop a great deal of reflection, of iterative learning. Then something we've done, which uh, I'm very excited about, is that uh, we've integrated team-based coaching, where myself and my peers become both one another's teachers and one another's learners, deeply into a golden thread or a red line that runs throughout the uh, PLD. So you're putting teams together that stay together for 18 months in the PLD. We believe that the intimacy, the engagement, the trust, the openness has to evolve over time. And finally, also very exciting, is that uh, over the last year, together with the Center of Leadership uh, at, uh, at Erasmus RSM, uh, we have taken more than 100 years of research, and they'd already done significant work, and uh, integrated it into what we now term the compass for leaders. This leadership compass, what is the academic concept behind it that makes it stand out? Why is this going to be effective? If I could describe the leadership compass and, and imagine a compass, then right in the center sits authentic identity and character as a leader. So if I could give an example using my South African background, and two of our greatest leaders is Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu, both of them Nobel Peace Laureates. Now, Nelson Mandela is a warrior. He walks through walls. He was a great, great risk taker. Desmond Tutu is famed for his gentleness, his compassion, his capacity to love, his capacity to build relationships. Both of them extraordinarily powerful leaders, but an authentic identity and character. Then in the south of the compass sits ethics and values, which, let's face it, Hitler and Stalin had strong ethics and values. So we need to ask ourselves what nature of ethics and values must today's leader um, develop and entrench. And thankfully, there's a huge amount of good research on that. Then in the east of the compass sits relationships. How do I foster relationships, interdependencies, compassion, empathy, engagement, stakeholdership, all of these elements of the leader that is really successful? Then in the west of the compass sits task. We need to get things done. We need to have precision. We need to have an output-mindedness that is capable of delivering results. We need innovation, experimentation. So what are the elements of task? And then all of this goes up into the north where sits change. 
leadership and change are synonymous. If there's not leadership, there's not change. If there's not change, there's not leadership. And so we've got this wonderful compass with authentic identity and character in the center that is based in ethics and values, that embraces relationships and tasks, and serves the interest of sustainable change and responsible leadership. One other factor is that the, the compass is, is critical to it. The leadership councils is critical to it. But if I may make one further comment on it, which we build into uh, the, the PLD together with the other courses. So remember, we're talking about more than 30% of the, of the uh, executive MBA, is that the leader has to be able to operate at, at four dimensions. The way we frame it is me, we, work, world. So who am I as a leader, the inner leader, the personal leader, me? Who am I as a leader, the interpersonal leader, the we? Who am I as a leader who intervenes in and influences the organization, work? And who am I as a leader who uh, chooses and defines the values that I espouse and that influences beyond myself into the greater community and society, world. So the compass, imagine the compass sliding up and down the dimensions of me, we, work, world. And so that will be the integrative uh, picture of PLD. So after having done the EMBA, will I cover all the directions of the compass equally? Am I going to be good at everything? The answer is nobody can be excellent at everything. Everybody has to have a real awareness and has to have a real capacity to understand and appreciate the contribution that all of these make. We would want the vast majority of individuals coming out of the, the PLD with a, a very real enhanced sense of personal identity and character. What we also want them to understand is that leadership is inherently a interpersonal team activity. So there is no such thing as the whole or the complete leader. It's a little bit like, say, a symphony orchestra or a uh, soccer team. It's the diversity of it that makes it into a beautiful collective. And so if I take, uh, let's say, a Mahatma Gandhi and a Angela Merkel, my goodness, hugely diverse people, different strengths, different capabilities. So one of the greatest capabilities of the leader at the end of PLD is that they will have significantly enhanced their capacity to tap into the diversity of others and to use the contributions of others to complement their own capabilities. So it's bringing the strengths of diversity of others together that is one of the biggest challenges of leadership. And that we will succeed in, not with everybody, but 90 to 95% of people will come out of it with that shift having taken place. Christo, thank you so much for taking us through your personal leadership journey and your personal history and how that has impacted your thinking. I'm looking forward to seeing how this will work in the field with our students, and I can't wait to hear their stories. So thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for this opportunity.